Welcome to the Cap Gemini America's Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. My name is Janet Pope, and I'm the Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility for the U.S., Canada, and Latin America. I look forward to engaging with each of you on diversity, digital inclusion, and sustainability challenges and initiatives. Let's get the future we want together. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Care Sustainability Communities Podcast. This podcast is intended to offer a unique view of Capgemini's sustainability impacts achieved with our clients, partners, and within our communities. Our end goal is to reflect our commitment to a sustainable future and build a culture across Capgemini's ecosystem in which sustainability is who we are and what we do, both personally and professionally. I am your host, Damon Ambers, and along with co-hosts Saloni Sharma and Andy Hapel, and in today's episode, our guest speaker, Ryan Whittem, will provide us with insights on sustainability from a utility company's perspective. And without further ado, here's our guest, Ryan Whittem. Uh, so my name is Ryan Whittem. I joined Capgemini just over a year ago. Um, uh, I work in Canada on a, a very important client of ours. Um, so yeah, it's been a great experience. Uh, prior to this, I worked 15 years at IBM managing major contracts. So yeah, excited to be here. And uh, I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed my uh, first uh, 12 months at uh, Capgemini. Nice. It's, it's great to hear about the things you got going on so far. I know one of my first questions I wanted to ask you, which is how does uh, sustain, how do we maintain sustainability at a utility company? Like how, it so, seems like it's very hard to do, right? Because we're providing, you know, electricity and all these different things. So how do we, you know, maintain that sustainability? So yeah, um, so utilities will be a um, uh, an enabler uh, of sustainability. Uh, so they will both participate in the movement and enable uh, the movement. Um, and there's lots of things that utilities are going to have to do across Canada in order to do that. They're going to have to make sure their grid is ready. Uh, they're going to have to make sure that their uh, customers are ready for that change. And uh, they are going to have to make sure that all their internal operations are ready uh, to support sustainability across uh, different areas and different trends. That could be electric vehicles, that could be uh, electric heating. Or, or that could be other areas of sustainability uh, that, that matter to them in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, how they're procuring uh, different uh, objects or devices. Um, so it's a very, very broad aspect for a utility company. Uh, it, doesn't, uh, it isn't just uh, being sustainable, it's also enabling sustainability. Ah, that almost, I almost want to jump to our, our fourth question here about just the community and how we can kind of provide and being more you know sustainable on our end because i know you guys were providing all of the you know as as sustainable as you can get it but then we also have to be conscious of how much you know energy that we use you know whether that's turning off lights or uh you know unplugging things and things like that so as a community member as a consumer of these utilities how can you know we do better so the biggest thing you can do to help your utility um uh is a couple things so um utilities uh both produce and distribute uh power uh across an area um and 
utilities always have to plan for the peak. Um, so their biggest sustainability challenges is as that peak grows, they have to provide more distribution of power and more power in general. Uh, so you can kind of take a look at it. Um, there's a hint on everyone's uh, utility bill. Uh, that is time of use. Uh, so there's uh, usually an area of the day, uh, and, and in certain provinces, it's usually between about 4 and 6 p.m., uh, where utility costs a little bit more. Uh, so if you really, really target uh, some of your sustainability efforts, that could be turning off your lights or not plugging in your EV or using less power at the times of day where the utility is effectively strained, that could likely be your biggest impact in terms of sustainability efforts. Uh, because if we don't do that, uh, and this is going to be the challenge for utilities over the coming years, they have to build more things. They have to build more capacity. They have to build new power plants or, or wind or solar. So sustainability overall, it's, it's kind of twofold. One is taking down your overall energy usage. And it's going to be also taking down your energy usage at a very specific time. And that could be a time of day. And that could even that even goes down to a, a day of the year where the, the grid is the most strained. Really? You know, I never thought about that. The four to six time period. So I'll start not watching TV. I'll start turning off everything during that period because it costs a little bit more. I never thought about that. Yeah. That's interesting. And it's really, yeah, and it, it'll be different based on different climates and how people right. use uh, uh, their power. Um, so if you look at a place like California, um, mm -hmm. our friend Andy Heppel lives, um, it's really uh, about summer peak usage. Uh, so when Andy has his EV plugged in and he has his air conditioner going and it's 98 degrees outside, uh, you got to imagine a lot of people have a huge demand on energy and that causes a big strain. So you have to look at the hottest days of the year uh, and in terms of your peak usage, usually between four and six, those evening hours when people are getting home, they're cooking dinner, they're plugging in their EVs, they have their air conditioner on. Those are the periods of times uh, that the utilities are particularly worried about. And those are the period mm -hmm. of times that can make the biggest impact uh, for sustainability because it really takes away uh, the requirement to produce or build more energy assets right. um, uh, within your community. Oh, that's interesting. Nice. Uh, I'll jump to another question here too. What are uh, some exciting steps that firms are taking or just utility companies are taking to achieve these net zero emissions? Uh, so, so lots of things. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, the first thing is looking at themselves. Uh, so how are they an, uh, an energy user? Uh, are they um, uh, are they mostly gas powered uh, vehicles that they're using? And you're going to start to see utility companies adopt electric vehicles uh, even more over the coming years. Uh, one because uh, there is a solid business case around that. You're you're switching from a fuel like diesel where you're paying another party for and you're using your own types of fuel uh, mm -hmm. in terms of zero emission vehicles. And two, people are looking at the utility and saying, well. Uh, you should be leading us on this. So they're looking at all their fleets in terms of large vehicles uh, that they have uh, right. and uh, how they can impact their own environment um, uh, and the overall sustainability in terms of getting to zero emissions. And different utilities, there's there's a few around Canada that have right. said by 2030, uh, they want to be zero emissions or net neutral. So um, 
That's step number one. Step number two is they're going to look at firms like ourselves and say, what are you doing to help me uh, reduce uh, my emissions? And that could be uh, a firm that's supplying them poles or uh, a firm that's doing field installation. They're going to start to challenge their suppliers to say, how are you helping me meet my goals uh, to have zero emissions? So it's almost going to, it's going to be a very symbiotic relationship. I feel like the challenge is going to turn to folks like Capgemini to how do you solve that uh, solution uh, to help me become zero emission? And that could be by understanding my emissions today. And what's my plan to get to net zero by 2030, 2040, 2050, whenever my goal is. Right. You know, I think even during these past few years, you know, during the pandemic uh, time, it's kind of helped out with the uh, us to be able to reach our goals as well, because we haven't been well. I'll say with the electricity might be a little different since we're all at home and we're turning on more things. But as far as like the travel side of things, I think that's helped out in, in a little bit. But absolutely, there... for for global consulting firms, probably the one as big as tax is uh, travel. Mm-hmm. And right now we're effectively all at home, so that's reduced a lot of our impact um, uh, for for a, a particular solution. Because I would say there's probably no more efficient way. In terms of uh, reducing your greenhouse gas emissions as a consultant or or, uh, as uh, doing it from home. Right. And now I do wonder, since now I don't know which one's more expensive, going to the office and using electricity there or using it just out of homes where it's more, you know, spread out. Like, what what does that look like? What is the the, the sustainable impact on just the different ways or our our working habits? The, the biggest impact for you is not, so the electricity would be effectively uh, the same uh, because mm-hmm. if, you're, okay. uh, if you're using a light in your room uh, uh, to kind of to look over your desk or your computer uh, mm-hmm. in your room, it's probably going to use about the same uh, electricity as, as you would it's going to the office. It'd be uh, the actual travel into the office that is, is, the, uh, is the largest right. kind of impact. In Canada, uh, um, Zero emission vehicles are a little bit nascent, so about four percent of the kind of new car uh, purchases are zero emission or net zero vehicles, mm-hmm. um, and that's different in every geography. If you look at California, it's closer to nine to ten percent, and some right. areas it gets up to twenty percent. Uh, but it's really your your traveling distance from your home uh, to uh, your office would probably be the the biggest single impact or reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Um, from working from home. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's Andy here, uh, and I have had the pleasure of working with Ryan and uh, his clients for quite a while. Ryan, what is what are some of your proudest moments working with those clients? So I would say uh, some of the proudest moments uh, is when you enable them to have, uh, uh, for, to quote Oprah, uh, an aha moment. Uh, and Andy and I have been there uh, with certain clients um, where you bring them to a place uh, that they start to realize that kind of the changes around them. Uh, and it's very exciting to see people um, kind of embrace change and start to say, things are going to change. How am I going to go deal with them and improve my own company um, in order to do that. Um, and Andy is a master of bringing this out of folks. 
um, in terms of bringing them to that moment and uh, and knowing how to do it. Uh, but I would say that's probably some of the proudest moments when you when you help your client realize that uh, there is change around us um, and change can sometimes be scary, but there's lots of things we can do in order to go um, enable that change and kind of make it a successful change versus something to be uh, scared about. Thanks. And before I pass the baton to Saloni to ask a question or two, I had one more. Just my observation, Ryan, is that you're a, a very human-centered leader of technology and business together, but with a, a very uh, deep awareness of the humanity and the ecosystem approach to delivering value to clients. And with that in mind, where did, a, where did that come from? And what is your philosophy on the importance of ecosystem enabling uh, in the sustainability work that we're all trying to achieve? Uh, well, I'd say in terms of, term of the human-centric approach, if you look at something uh, uh, like Capgemini, a great company, uh, we're built on the strength of our people. Uh, so you kind of have a choice every day. You have a choice to build people up or break people down. Um, and the way I try to enable my teams is to build people up, right? Uh, so that we can uh, enable them to be more successful. And then that uh, kind of can branch out to all types of areas like sustainability, innovation, and that enables people to be comfortable in their own skin um, and diversity in thought uh, that allows us to push forward. Um, if you don't do that, um, I at least find for myself is when you're a little bit more tentative, uh, these ideas or kind of innovations or aha moments don't come out. Um, so I really try to enable um, my team uh, to be comfortable, um, to have diversity of thought uh, and allow them to have a safe place to go try things, right? Uh, we're not going to get everything right, uh, but when you do make a mistake, um, uh, the key is to learn from it um, and kind of grow uh, and then move forward. So. Hopefully that cool. answers your question, Andy. The first part of it, and the next part was the ecosystem approach. This business of you're working with clients that touch every part of the economy. And so that whole notion of, as a leader, leading teams of colleagues to help make the change for a client, being aware of the broader economy. I know how I saw some of the research you did for this client on the bigger economic impacts of some of the decisions they were taking. And my sense was that that you are a big picture thinker. So just wondered your perspective on that. Was I right in observing that? Uh, and how valuable is that to people as we help clients think through the change that's needed? Yeah, I, I think uh, I try to be Andy. Uh, probably don't get it perfect all the time, um, but I think that that's overall the sustainability mandate, right? Um, so you have an individual action, uh, and that individual action is going to kind of impact your broader ecosystem, right? And for sustainability, that is the uh, the environment. Uh, um, so I think having that kind of more uh, high level mindset is helpful. Uh, to help you kind of think through that an individual action can have ramifications uh, that could be good uh, for one area. Uh, let's say um, if, if we're making a, a new project, that could be good. However, that project could have impacts on sustainability that we haven't thought through, right? 
So it's trying to take that holistic kind of community-based uh, approach to take a look at all aspects versus uh, just a singular benefit or impact of a project, so. Thanks. So one question I had was, so for, for me, one of the biggest things I feel with consumption of any sort is that there's, it's hard to be mindful, right? You putting, flicking your light, everything has become so easy to use, whether it be turning on your lights, you know, uh, using your car with gasoline, like it's, it's so hard to figure out where uh, the problem lies when things, you know, when you, you're living life and there's so many things going on. What do you think are some important, you know, call to action things with utilities that can maybe increase awareness or increase urgency of like, you know, maybe seriously switch off your fans and your lights besides the fact that, you know, uh, you'll save money. Like there's also the impact that you're creating. What do you think is some or are some startling, you know, impacts of overusage of utilities that people might not be aware about? Uh, so I think the first thing is understanding, right? So uh, a lot of utilities right now are doing something called load disaggregation, uh, which is taking how you consume your energy. So you get a bill at the end of the month, and it might say $120 this month, but helping you understand what made up that $120. Well, your stove made up $20, your hot tub made up $40, uh, your EV made up $40 and helping you break that down because once you break that down and understand how you've consumed energy, then you can make different decisions, right? Um, so uh, the traditional one is let's turn off our lights when we're, we're not in the room, right? Uh, a more non-traditional one is let's change the way or the time we're consuming the energy uh, because uh, the impact on the grid is going to be strained between four and six o'clock. And that kind of non-traditional one is uh, something called demand response. Um, and it's a component of demand response that um, utilities are going to be even more focused on over the coming years uh, because um, there's a finite uh, amount of resources and there's effectively a finite amount of things we can go build to solve this problem. Uh, so it's really one, making you aware of how you're consuming energy uh, and two, helping you enable that. And that could be a uh, time of use credit. If you don't turn on your ice machine in California at a certain time, they give you a bill credit and they'll text you the day before. Um, that could be uh, incenting you uh, via an app to not plug in or delay your EV charging. So you're gonna start to see some of these things pop up and utilities will become, I think we take them for granted right now uh, sometimes, like the light always works, uh, so it's great. Uh, but uh, they're gonna be an even more integral part of your life um, so they'll be your gas station. Uh, they'll be uh, uh, helping you cook uh, if gas stoves are, are banned in some jurisdictions they are. They could be heating your home. Uh, so they'll quickly become the go-to operator to enable you to do what you want to do every day, right? And right now they're focused on that. The first thing is understanding consumption and helping you kind of make some sort of decisions. Uh, and the next one will be kind of really incenting you uh, to make different decisions um, as you go about your daily life. Um, and you can kind of see some of these things that have popped into your life. Um, I don't know, um, do you have a Nest thermostat? Sure you do. I oh, perfect. How many leaves did you gain this month? Right, like they've made it a gamification around it, right? So we're gonna start to see some of those trends uh, in terms of uh, how many leaves have you gained? Are you in the top 15% of your, of your neighborhood for your Nest usage? So 
you'll start to see that they're called behind the meter solutions. They really show you the impact of your ability uh, to save energy and then how you're are relative to others in your neighborhood or your community or wherever you live. So I think I, there's one last question, I guess, to top the conversation off, which is um, who do you see doing exciting work in sustainability that you think we should reach out to next? I, if I were you folks, I would reach out to someone around a, uh, a car manufacturer. Uh, and the reason being, they'll be on the forefront of, uh, of electric vehicles uh, into something kind of near and dear to, uh, to my heart in terms of some of the programs uh, we've run. And you'll see a very, very fast change over the next 10 years. Um, and if you look at somewhere like Norway, uh, they've had a very, very rapid adoption of electric vehicles, the highest in the world. Um, and that is coming to the US, that is coming to Canada, uh, that is coming to all other jurisdictions. And we can kind of see our future here. Um, and um, it's, I would uh, recommend you speak to someone, uh, a car manufacturer, because they will be leading this trend and vehicles will be able to do all sorts of cool things that uh, you weren't able to do in a traditional gas powered vehicle. And you're starting to see it with Tesla. Uh, you'll see it with the Ford F-150 Lightning, or you can charge your home during a, a, a do bi-directional charging, or you could even uh, 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 um, hold out during a power outage. Uh, I think you can uh, kind of uh, have electricity for three days out of your car. So it's very, very exciting time uh, in the vehicle manufacturing and their impacts on the grid. So that's where I would recommend going next because um, that will be kind of the start of it. And if you want to go another layer deeper, uh, I would go into home heating and electrification heat pumps Lots of cool areas there to explore because that'll even change the way that you heat your house if, if you require it. Um, in Canada, there's a lot of natural gas that you use. There's some oil. So that'll be a big, big greenhouse gas emission over the next, uh, I'm going to say, 20 years as people move from fossil fuels to electricity. Thank you, Ryan. I really appreciate all of that. And also, thank you for your time on this, being a guest on this as well. Yeah, no it's problem. Good to have you. I, I if you have any more questions, feel free to reach out again. But yeah, uh, it's been great. Thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the CSC podcast. For our Capgemini employees, reach out to us at the CARE Sustainability Community on our Teams page, where you can find more information about sustainability, our events, and other opportunities to learn and engage within the community. For our listeners outside of Capgemini, you can find more episodes on soundcloud.com slash NACR underscore radio. Finally, I'd like to hand it over to Janet Pope for a final message. Thanks for listening. It looks like we've come to the end of another Capgemini America's Corporate Social Responsibility Podcast. Again, I'm Janet Pope, and on behalf of the entire America's Corporate Social Responsibility team, I'd like to thank you for listening. If you have a specific topic on diversity, equity, and inclusion, sustainability, or digital inclusion that you'd like us to cover on a future podcast, please comment in the podcast channel. We'd love to hear from you.